What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Joey, when we were in Scottsdale, I don't know about you, but most of the conversations that I was sitting in, the circles I was in, was all around building my own investment fund. Like I'm at a point now where I've done all the deals, I've gained the experience, and I have others who are wanting to get involved who have not done that. And I'm like, well, why should I continue to put all my money into this from this point forward? And I just think that today's podcast, as we break down what would it take to do a joint venture, is really interesting for two groups of people, right? There's the group of people who have never done anything, and but they have cash and they're looking to get into some sort of passive cash flowing business. Right. And then there's a group of people who have been doing this for a while personally, and they're like, hey, now it's an opportunity to partner with other people's money. I love that. And so this is like really the full spectrum. And, you know, of course, I wasn't able to be on this roundtable. So I'm actually really curious to listen to it myself, see what kind of nuggets you guys were dropping uh, while I wasn't present. But yeah, I, I love that. This is a, this spans no matter where you're at in your investing journey, that it covers all those, all those folks, all those yeah. different aspects. Well, it, here's the thing is that if no matter where you're at in this process of trying to become financially free, you know that you need passive income that exceeds your monthly expenses. And I think this one, as you said, does cover both sides of it. So if you're that new investor, maybe there's someone in your sphere or someone that you can get in your sphere by joining one of our mastermind groups that can help you be the person that is bringing the money to the table right there. You're going to learn there's four ingredients to the deal. One of them is money. But then you also meet a person that has been doing it for a while, which is another one of the four things, which is the experience. And you'll you'll kind of hear as you go through this podcast, there's something for everyone in here that you can take away is idea generation. I'm not saying that you should go out and do this immediately, right? Tread lightly. Make sure that you're verifying the information that you're getting when you're investing in deals. Don't assume that all deals are created equally, nor are all people, the people that you want to invest with, because you might end up with experience that you didn't want at the end of the deal. Joey, I am excited for you to hear it. I'm excited for you to hear it. If this is something that um, somebody you know needs to hear as well, take time and share this with them. Also like, rate, and review the show. That's how people find us that are not being shared personally. So Joey, let's not take any more from it. Let's pull our chairs up to the table and belly up. Belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, 
increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of follow-through guy just didn't sound so cool. But enough about me. I'm here joined by two of the greatest coaches in the nation. I want to introduce them to you right now. To my left, I've got the true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I would just only known him earlier, I'd been so much richer, says everybody. Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Nice to see you, Ern. Nice to see you, Russ. You know, I was Thank just you. thinking about it. It's a good looking shirt you got there. Yeah. You yeah. know, we kind of we kind of had a joint venture on on these shirts. We yeah. put in the money. <laughs> Joey went and put in the work. That's right. And brought these back for us. Yeah, we we sent Joey to Augusta National and and this is what he brought us back. Two shirts. That's it. Yeah. Success. I love it. Sorry, Mark, you were not a part of that deal. But um, the next time we send Joey to Augusta National, we'll make sure he brings back three shirts. <laughs> um, but let, let me introduce, properly introduce the retiree of the group, Mr. Catch Me If You Can. He's not killing bears with his bare hands or spear diving for tuna. He's right here dropping gold nuggets. The one and only Mark Caraguchi. Welcome, Mark. Uh, it is good to be back. I, I got to say, it's a little bit of a change. Um, I have been used to being in a, lo- in a lounge chair with a beautiful tropical breeze, you know, ocean, all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, my work chair just doesn't feel the same. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just not the same. Yeah. So you said you're drinking tropical breezes with umbrellas in them? Uh, you know, there, there, there definitely were a few cocktails that were being <laughs> enjoyed along the beach. Uh, oh, okay. That's what you were talking about. <laughs> all right. Perfect. I, I was, I thought I heard that. Yeah. And welcome. We're grateful to have you back, man. As, as a married man, as someone now who has experienced their honeymoon, sometimes people do those things together. Mark, it is Mark. It depends. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't depend. Um, right after the wedding, we had, we had to wait, but, um, speaking of joint ventures, right? Weddings and, and marriages is joint ventures. I'm going to make that connection earn. You like that transition? Love it. The, Today, we're talking about what would it take to do a joint venture? And the first question I have for you, Ern, is why in the heck are we talking about this? Why is this important? Well, it's important because I listened to a Wealth Without Wall Street podcast a a few months ago. We interviewed Andrew Howell, who is an attorney, and he said a couple very powerful, influential things on that podcast one thing that he sta- that he said that sticks out is in relationship to these business partnerships. And he said that business partnerships are such an important relationship that it comes just behind your marriage. And so mm-hmm. if you put so much thought, so much uh, attention into picking a spouse, you should spend almost as much time before you get in business with someone. And so this is important because this is a big decision that you would make with someone. No doubt. Big decision. How about for you, Mark? Why do you believe this topic is so important? I'd rank it up there with you know, a, a joint venture 
when you're starting out, you're, you're probably missing some of the pieces of the puzzle. And partnering with somebody else can help fill in some of those gaps. You know, rather than trying to fix all of your flaws, why not find someone who already has those as their strengths, but also needs help in some other areas. And so you can, you can create a, a synergy where each of you by yourselves probably wouldn't be as successful, but together you both can move the pendulum and, and get closer to that, that final vision of financial freedom. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, our, our mentor, Ernie used to say this in his seminars, he would say a joint venture is where two people come together, one who has money and one who has experience. And by the end of the deal, they typically swap spaces. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love so that. I, I think it's important to talk about joint ventures because if we're going to get into one, we don't necessarily want to be swapping positions. We want to be gaining, right? Like not subtracting. We want to be adding. And I think it's important to, to learn from experience. And I know the three of us have been in joint ventures and I think there's some lessons to be learned as well as there's clients and people that we've been working and coaching with over time. who has been able to see that too. Ern, why do you think, though, that this is so important to talk about right now? Well, we're on the journey to financial freedom, aren't we? Yes. And, and to do that, we, we think that there's a few key pieces on that journey. Number one, we need to, to build our own personal cash flow systems. We certainly need passive income <laughs> to get there. But we also want to become better investors. And, and this is one of those topics that I think falls into the education piece of how can I become a better investor? And at the end of the day, this is a great opportunity to accelerate, to enhance, to increase the scope of who gets to benefit in this journey. Uh, but it, it, we need to go into this with our eyes open. We need equipping, we need to learn, yeah, which is exactly what our community is for and exactly why we have this roundtable podcast to share these ideas and then talk about these ideas within our inner circle. Totally, I love that. Well, let's, let's break down. There's three points that we're going to cover today and, and try our best to, to take each one of those deep enough to give you some meat that you can take away with you, some hopefully some tactical items. So the, the three core areas in which we're going to focus on, there, there's four ingredients to every deal. And we did a podcast on that. I'll point you back to that podcast. Second point is that we need to know our partner. And third, we need to make sure it's a win-win, right? So Talking about the four core ingredients of every deal, Mark, what do you think is the most important of the four? So just for everybody, the four things are what? We need a moat. We need money. We need money. An opportunity. Opportunity. We need time. Time. We need experience. We need experience. So we got a moat. an echo. <laughs> I just repeating. I just wanted to be... <laughs> Be with you. All right. So Mark, out of the vote, which one do you think is the most important and why? Well, I'll go ahead and speak to money. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily going to say that it's the most important, but I'll speak to money in. There's really, you know, a, a, there's a couple of ways to come at it, right? And in deals, you can trade time or you can trade treasure and your treasure might be opportunity. It might be experience, um, but it also could be money. And a lot of times what I found is when you're in a position of cash, all of a sudden, a lot of deals start coming your way. A lot of opportunities start coming your way that sometimes you don't necessarily see if you weren't in a position of cash because your blinders would be on. 
if, if you're sitting around on a lump of cash, all of a sudden you're starting to see deals and people, you know, people have a pretty good sense of smell and, 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 and they can sniff out those Benjamins hiding in your, in your back pocket, you know, in, in the couch and wherever. And, and now all of a sudden those deals, those opportunities start to present themselves and you might be in a position to do it yourself, or you might be in a position to partner with someone to leverage through, which is kind of our topic today of joint venturing. But I would say money definitely ranks up there as putting you into a location where you can start to have the other of the core ingredients start to line up. What about for you, Ern? What, which one of the moat do you resonate with and why? Well, I love, I, I talked about this on the, on the, when we did that last podcast, I, I love to think about the opportunity because you can substitute many things, but you can't get no passive income if you don't have any opportunities. Nobody came financially free without doing any deals. And, and so we need to have deal flow. We need to be able to see and discern opportunities. If we do a joint venture, somebody had to have the vision of, of what could be created, right? That some, some vision to say, I can create this and it creates value. Now, how much money is it going to take? How much time is it going to take? How much experience do we need in these things? Well, it all, in my, in my view, begins and ends with the opportunity. For me, I, I love money, right? I think you need to have it. I, I think you must have the, an opportunity. But I think experience is one of those things that oftentimes gets not enough publicity, right? I think you need to have someone in on the team that has lots of experience because in in my in the, using that word again experience what i have found is that people who didn't have it and i got into deals with them it ultimately led to a non-successful deal but what i've learned over time is that i need to partner with people with experience because i am one of those guys who have the idea of what i want to do as we kind of talked about yesterday in our mastermind conversation, Mark, I'm not one of those who really wants to follow through on the transaction. I want to start with it. I want to see it through. And so I need somebody with experience. I need somebody who provides and possesses those follow through skills and those discernment skills and, and those uh, deductive thinking skills that I don't. And that usually comes from experience. And that's what I'm looking for when I do a deal with somebody is I'm looking for experience so that I'm not the one always having to provide it. Now, on the other hand, I will say this is that I've, I've been and, and interviewed several different people, and that is the way that they've built passive income. They've actually been the one with experience that goes in and consults on deals and gets put on the capital stack with that experience, never having to put any money in it, never really having to put much time, just providing experience and consulting to those operators and to those investors. And I think that's super interesting too. And that's one of those ways where people say, well, man, I have to have money to get in it. No, you don't have to have money. You can use other people's money, but also you don't have to have money because you can use experience and partner into a deal. Let's move on to the second point. Second point is that we need to know our partner. And I, I think that this is something that we don't probably do enough of early on when we get into investing. We, we get into, uh, into financial bed with anybody. Earn, how do you think we protect ourselves and how do we know 
our partner. <laughs> Financial bed with everyone. <laughs> Get asked me to go after that. Well, yeah, I can. Well, to Come to on, that man. point, I heard I heard this one couple at my church. They're they're really old now. Russ, you you might know them. I forget their names. They back when they were single, they went on a double date, right? So, uh, but they weren't each other's dates. And when they got to the date, the other parties, both of them, the the guy and the girl, the other parties did not show up. <laughs> you go on a double date as a as a as a favor to your friends, and they don't show up to the date. And and so there you are with a with a guy with a girl that you don't know on a date. What do you do? Well, for them, they decided, well, let's make the most of it. Let's go on this date. They hit it off so well that they were engaged by the end of the night and married the next day. What? Yes, this is a couple at our church, Russ. Oh, Isn't no, that crazy? The net for, that night? Yes. So for the rest of us, wow. we might want to take the process a little slower, right? <laughs> and, and same thing, we don't, we don't just want to jump in the financial bed with anyone, to your point, it made me think of that. We, we would want to potentially date a potential business partner, right? And what do I mean by that? Get to know each other. Get to know each other's businesses. Get to know each other's temperaments, personalities wiring the things that you're good at just get to know before you make a a commitment to to lock up money together this is not the dentist off of the movie with bradley cooper and what was it called the hangover this it wasn't based on this life right uh no it's been so long since i watched the hangover i don't even remember the plot well i don't remember the plot either i just remember there was a, a an engagement and a marriage in a really short period of time there. So, all right, moving on. He, he didn't get it. This is where I, this is absolutely, yeah, this is absolutely where I missed the stallion right here. You know, you've known me for what, seven years and you're still asking me about random parts of movies. I mean, you should know by now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, Mark, how about you? What, What do you think's important when it comes to knowing your partner? Well, Clearly, there's got to be some trust because we let you have an open mic on these. And so we, we, we have to trust that this, this joint venture on this podcast is going to turn out okay. Um, but for, for me, uh, in, in, in a deal that I did with, with somebody else, it, it came down to, you know what? Um, I have neither the time, the energy, nor the enthusiasm to do the deal, but I've got the money. But I knew the operator I knew their character. I, I'd known them for close to you know 15 years. Um, I believed in them. I trusted them. And, and we started small. We started with, with, with a measurable amount of seed money that then results came back. And so we had proof of concept. And so we grew the partnership because ultimately, I'm not going to put that much cash down with somebody in a deal like that unless I know who they are and unless I believe in them and, and want them to succeed. I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things 
you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. Well, I, I think a part to knowing your partner, and I've started using this tool. I'm a huge fan of the Culture Index. If you've heard us before, we actually interviewed Matt White on our podcast a couple of years ago. Probably ought to have him come back on it, but we we actually had him speaking in our mastermind yesterday. I love the Culture Index. I think we should always trust but verify. Right. Like I'm a trusting person. One of the things I learned early on is I probably fell on the side of gullible as it related to trust. And through experience and failures, I learned some lessons there that I I need to be optimistic, but I need to verify is that person capable? Well, how do you do that? How do you measure that? And tools like Culture Index that we use a little bit differently than maybe the average person is that we we use Culture Index to, to understand our investment partners better. I can understand how they're going to operate just by the way that their personality works. And if I'm expecting someone to be very detail-oriented and going to have a high level of follow-through and also be able to be very deductive in their thinking... I need to I need to see their culture index measures that out. And here's the mistake I think too oftentimes we make. One, we communicate in the style that we are, and we expect everyone else to hear it and respond accordingly. And when we hear our own style being repeated back to us, we tend to believe, oh, this person is exactly what I need because we like them, because we're similar. Well, if you're like me and in, in the the areas of fault that you would have is that you probably won't think through everything as long because you're going to be impatient. You're not going to follow through on some of the details. You don't want other people just like you that you're partnering with. You want to have opposites. So in this situation, Joe, uh, Ernie, I would say opposites attract, right? As we're talking about knowing our partner and I would, I'd be looking, I would be looking for some opposites. I would be looking for someone who, who compliments the areas that I don't have. We, we heard this yesterday, Mark, which I, I thought was fantastic, is that sometimes people say that you should be working on your weaknesses. You ever heard that, Ern? Yeah. You had a weakness, you should start working on your weaknesses. Yep, heard that. And the quote that he, he shared, and I don't know who to att uh, attach it to, so I apologize to whoever originated this quote, was if you work on your weaknesses, you know what you'll have? Strong weaknesses. Why do we want to have strong weaknesses, right? Why not find people who have strengths in the areas in which we have weaknesses? So I would say we need to use um, tools that can help us understand who are we partnering with and find people that complement us who have strengths and our weaknesses. That's one thing I would say on knowing your partner. So the, the first area was what are the four core ingredients of every deal? Because that's important. It's moat, money, opportunity, time, and experience. The second thing is that we need to know our partner, spend time with them, make sure that we, we know that, that we can have trust in, and they have the time and the energy and enthusiasm to follow through, but we need to have tools that can help us verify what we think. The third one is making it a win-win. Mark, how do we make it a win-win in a deal? 
Sharon Shravatsa was fond of saying uh, that if, if it's a win for you and a win for me, you can assume I have unlimited capital. Something to that effect, paraphrasing. Um, to me, actually, I, I, I truly believe this is the most important one. Because if, if there is a way for both parties to win and everybody feels like they're gaining, when that deal comes to fruition, everyone's going to feel so much better about it and be willing to move forward. No one's going to feel like they got shortchanged. No one's going to feel like, wow, this didn't quite work out the way I had hoped. Man, it seems like Ernie's making so much more on this deal than me. But if everybody's winning and if everyone is walking away satisfied, then even if it was a, a small amount of victory on the deal, the emotional attachment and that psychological win is going to be so powerful that that group is only going to be stronger. And they'll be able to do better deals going forward because if it's a win-win, no one's being left behind. How about you, Aaron? What would you add to that? Well, to, to Mark's point, I think it also creates a sense of safety in the group, right? Nobody wants to get taken advantage of. Nobody wants to feel like they're about to get taken advantage of or th those intentions. And so I do think that that approach that we want to be abundant to every partner, if Rest to your point, if somebody's just bringing their experience to get into the deal, you want that to go well. Uh, what I would say as a piece of this, how do you make it a win-win is from the beginning, do your best to set clear expectations. Hmm. And what I mean by that is just in the, in the JV that I'm a part of, I wanted to do a great job setting this thing up so that it could potentially be scalable and, and, and it, it can be replicated. Because I know that if it can be replicated, it's got to be good, right? And nobody's getting taken advantage of if this is if other people would want to go make this model work elsewhere. And so it took some some thinking through where where does this break? Uh, what are uh, how does how does money go in? When can capital be added? When do we think about taking capital out? What are the expectations of who does what? Right in terms of just even with with taxes, who who is the one that's going to be organizing? those things and just mm -hmm. thinking through and setting it up so that that could be talked about on the front end. And, and certainly not everything is figured out at this point, but the clearer you can start, I think the, the faster that, that you can get going. And I think the more comfortable, the, the more safety that there is. And I think that contributes to a, a better win-win scenario. Yes, no doubt. And we had Travis Smith on with TribeVest not too long ago, speaking inside of our inner circle, talking about the ways that when you are doing joint ventures, you're putting together your investment tribe, you can, it's required of you when you start your tribe to start creating those sort of things, right? Who's going to be doing what and when, and all of that is voted on from the beginning. I think too oftentimes people get into deals without those known items and then they start coming up and then it's like a blank game of oh i thought you were going to do this joey i mean did i say joey i'm sorry that's not what i meant to say picking on him and he's not even here <laughs> man he's such an easy target whether he's here or on the road man love you bro all right here, here's the thing that i've learned in joint ventures or i actually i, I want to share an example if it's all right of, of a deal that didn't work a joint venture that we were putting together that didn't work and and it's because it wasn't a win-win. And oftentimes you will find in joint ventures, you're going to have people doing one of the two, maybe one of one or two of the four moat items. In the example that 
I'm talking about we were going to bring experience and money. The other party was going to actually spend the time. They were going to operate the project and they brought the deal. Now, here's an interesting thing is when you're bringing all the money and I'm talking about large seven figures to the table, how do you appropriately value what is the money worth as compared to what is the opportunity and the operations worth? How would you guys try to figure that out? I'm just interested just in, in you guys' like on-the-spot res response to that. How would you go about trying to determine what is the money worth in a deal as compared to the operation of the deal? My first immediate thought is is something that I just said, which is if you if it's not just this one deal, if you're able to go get multiple forms of this deal and put an operator in place, so if this really was scalable, how would you value multiple operators? I think right. when you just think one unit, it's hard it's hard to think about that. But what is the market value of that work being done? In a sense, right. if you were going to send applications out to the marketplace to hire this person, Yes. What level of experience would you require? And then what would the fair compensation for that type of work be? I think you just think like a business owner rather than an investor only nope. in that well, in that place to help you value it. You hit the nail on the head, right? And the, the operators who brought us the deal valued themselves at a much higher level, <laughs> right? I mean, which, I, hey, we all yeah. value ourselves probably more than like, most yeah. people would value. Why not? Shoot but, lower, aim high. I mean, I'll go high. <laughs> But but to your point, it's like I'm coming at this thinking of it as a business opportunity. I'm bringing the money. It's all going to fall back to us and our investors if the deal doesn't work. So, hey, I'm taking the risk and I'm going to then evaluate what is it worth me paying someone? Because here's the, at the end of the day, the operators can leave. The operators could be injured. The operators could die. <laughs> How, how do I value that piece? And it's like, okay, what would, what would I have to pay to have someone operate this business? Now, they may not have the same exact experience. So, okay, they are going to get a notch up above maybe the market for that. And ultimately, we couldn't come to a win-win because we believed that the money in that situation was worth 70%. And they believed it was worth 50% because they – thought, oh, we're willing to be in a 50-50 partnership. And I think too oftentimes we get in this idea that, oh, it has to be just one way. And we actually tried to bring in other ways to make the deal better for them. And what we learned in, the, in that process is that they were not open to differing solutions, which allowed me going back to point number two, we started learning about our potential partner by understanding how are they negotiating with us. And when we were the one bringing all the ideas, all the options, all the flexibility, and they were rigid and never moved and never brought us another idea, it was like, well, huh, what's gonna happen in the future, right? It's gonna be very similar to what we're experiencing today. What happens if the business isn't operating the way we all want it to? Are they going to be able to bring us creative solutions and options if they are not bringing options today? 
we didn't believe they were. And so I think when you look at a win-win, you have to go in knowing what your options are. And that's what I've learned so much through negotiating deals is that it's not so much about the deal. It's, so, it's about the options that you have and learning what a win-win is. And I love the book that Chris Voss wrote, you know, Never Split the Difference, because he talks about in the, in the deal of negotiation that we need to make sure it's a win-win. If the hostage, you know, the, the the guy who's taking people hostage and you're negotiating with them, if they don't feel like they're winning, bad things happen. So we always are in a negotiation. We always should be looking for ways to create win-wins and make sure that we help them get the deal that we want. That's Chris Voss. All right. Final thoughts on this, Mark. Ooh, final thought on when... When would it be a right time to do a joint venture? When is a good time for a joint venture? I agree with Ernie. This is a little bit potentially further down the road, um, but this is something that you don't want to step into lightly. And this is something that you would really, I think, benefit. As, as you said, you know, how, how would you value those people? You know, with the honest to goodness, first thing that popped in my mind, because you went a little off script there. Uh, first thing that popped into my mind was, wow, I would actually go to the Passive Income Mastermind and put it in our group thread and say, here's a deal I've just been proposed. What, how would you guys evaluate this? What would you consider? Because I want to seek counsel from people that have either done it, know about it, or have been around it and are much bigger fish than me and further down the road. So I want to source a community that can help me look at this from a multitude of different angles. People who have been on, say, the money side, people who've been on the experience side, people, who've been, people who are coming at it from different angles than me. And so that's, that would be my takeaway from this is don't be afraid to ask questions, get the help you need so that you can become the best investor to, to provide for that financial freedom future that you want. Ern, final thoughts. Well, you mentioned a, a great Nelson Nash quote at the beginning of this, which is, you know, the, the JV, you, you get in and, and the person with experience and the person with money end up switching places. I'll give you another Nelson Nash quote, as it relates to partnering in business, but in the positive, because while there is lots of opportunities for this to go wrong, there's lots of opportunities to go right. And, and here's what that means to me and, and something that Nelson told us. He, he, he would say, you can, you can build all the success in the world. And, and to give you another quote, uh, you can, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so what he would say is you can have all the success in the world, but if you don't have someone to share it with, what do you really have? Mm. And the opportunity to, to partner together, to share the experience, to share the wins, right? If you like one win, why not like a win-win? Why not like a win-win-win and, and create this for the benefit of the people that you're serving with your product, service, or experience? Ultimately, that's what, what a deal is going to produce. So I think the opportunity to, to do joint ventures is tremendous and, and to protect yourself to Mark's point, I think it's, it's helpful to be in a community of people who are seeking the same things, which is the opportunity for our inner circle members to share these things, the JVs that they're creating, thinking about getting into evaluating the money opportunity times and experiences to figure out which pieces can they bring to the, to the, to the opportunities so that they can get closer to financial freedom. And, and I just think that's a fantastic opportunity.
Wow, I love that. Man, it, here's the thing with, with this JV, right? We have a chance, as you both has uh, so eloquently said, we have an opportunity to get into deals that maybe we otherwise wouldn't have, whether we didn't have the money and so we're partnering with someone who did, or we have the money but not the time and the experience to make the deal happen. And that has what has allowed Joey and I to be able to put up our passive income every single month on the board because we were doing joint ventures with somebody in some shape or form in order to get that because that's what made it passive, right? If we were the one working on it, it wouldn't be passive. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not involved, but it doesn't mean that we're the ones working. And I love about joint ventures is that you can partner with someone to get the things that you don't have. You can get the money, you can get the experience, you can get the credit, right? And you can get the enjoyment of, of winning together. And you can also gain insight from that time so that it helps you with other ones. And maybe you wanna start small <laughs> and work through those things so that way your, your lessons learned early, which typically happen, which are okay, maybe are smaller, which allows you to have more promise for the future. Either way, I hope that you found value in today's podcast. Thank you, Ern. Thank you, Mark, for delivering as always. Thank you for listening to this. If you um, if you would, please take the time to rate, review, and, and, and leave that um, review on the podcast. It allows other people to find it, share it with somebody, help us beat the big tech algorithm. As always, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.